0: Chapter 10 Vivian Ippolito-Giacci was sitting on a park bench, exhaling cigarette smoke into the cold sky when we met a couple hours later. She had been at Anna Maria's house when I called her cell. Her words were terse. Can I meet you someplace in about an hour? I can't talk right now. Sure, where? I need a smoke. Meet me in the new Tivoli parking lot, by the fountain. The phone went dead. The snow crunched under my feet, and I could see, even from a distance, Vivian had a hard barfly look to her, like a woman who married too young, and was burning herself out trying to make up for the youth she thinks she lost. She was medium height, starting to go soft around the middle, the result of time or too much alcohol. Her hair was pinned on the top of her head in a frowzy, lackadaisical bun. Thick black eyeliner and heavy false eyelashes ringed her eyes despite her casual clothing. Her fingernails were probably fake. They were too long and too impeccably painted to be anything else. Her faded black peacoat hung open. I could see her sweatshirt was stained with fresh white paint. She and Carlotta were no doubt trying to cover up whatever bloodstains remained on the wall of Anna Maria's living room. Despite the cold and the three inches of snow, Vivian wore trendy jeans with pre-made holes in the knees and cheap running shoes. Carlotta tells me she hired you because Anna Maria was receiving threats before she was killed. Yeah. So what can I help you with? Carlotta says you're dating a guy who thinks she could possibly have been involved in Anna Maria's murder. She said you overheard him say something about a job being finished, and it scared you. Oh, Jesus Christ. My sister is such a drama queen. Oh? Yes, Sonny is a contractor. We both live in Pittsburgh. He remodels kitchens, and he just finished installing the cabinets. Vivian sucked on the cigarette until the end glowed, then lifted her head up and exhaled into the sky. You're sure about that? The truth is, Mr. Fitzhugh, Carlotta doesn't like Sonny. She never has. In her mind, I never should have left Sophia's father and has done everything she can to throw shade on him every chance she gets. So did he say that, or did she make it up? Oh, he said it all right. He was sitting beside me in my car, and Carlotta was in the back seat. He was talking to his boss about a cabinet install. I don't think he said that exactly. I think he just said that that job was done. I knew he was installing cabinets this morning because he told me that when he called it in lunch. So you didn't get scared when he said it and then tell your sister about it later? She scoffed and rolled her eyes. We were in my car. I looked over my shoulder at her in the back seat and made a face like she should be scared of my big gangster boyfriend. I don't think I said a word. You don't think he killed Anna Maria then? So why would you say something like that? Because she's a bitch. I need a little bit more explanation than that. It was starting to look like these Ippolito sister cruises may not have been the bonding experience they'd originally planned. Vivian flicked her cigarette into the air, and arced long and then disappeared into the snow. She's got this good Catholic girl mindset that marriage is forever, even if you're miserable. Is she miserable? Vivian was silent for a second. She's got it rough in some ways. Her middle son, Zach, has cerebral palsy. He's not confined to a wheelchair, but needs a walker to get around, you know. His speech is a little impaired, but the kid is smarter than a whip. It just takes some time to understand him. And she's got twin girls, Lola and Lena, who are in middle school and involved in everything. And Joe Jr., who's in his freshman year at Ohio State. Sounds like she's got her hands full, but honestly, it doesn't sound so awful. Yeah, well, she needs to look at her own man before she starts throwing shade at mine. Why is that? Joe Pecorini is an asshole who can't keep his dick in his pants. He's fucked every cheap whore in Youngstown and anyone else who'll have him. Excuse my French. Does Carlotta know that? She pulled the collar of her peacoat closer around her neck, pulled another cigarette from her pocket. She tapped it on the arm of the park bench as she spoke. We all know it, whether she does or not. I think she does because of her St. Carlotta routine, willing to martyr herself on the altar of holy matrimony. I raised my eyebrows. Joe's in sales travels a lot. He told my ex-husband that he spends too much time in hotel rooms and there isn't any reason to be there alone. There are just as many traveling females down in the bar. He says he took it as a signal to not be lonely. So maybe Joe was carrying on with his sister-in-law. Maybe the journal was Anna Maria's version of the little black book, coded so no one else in the family would find out what she was doing. If that was the case, would my name be on those other pages? couldn't see anyone as confident and educated as Anna Maria sliding into an affair with her brother-in-law. That was for gold diggers on the prowl or stupid women convinced no one except a married man would ever love them. I'm going to ask a tough question, but I want you to be honest about it. Do you think Anna Maria was involved with Joe? She laughed out loud. (laughs) You're kidding me, right? I shook my head. There's no damned way those two would ever get together. Why is that? Anna Maria wouldn't do that to Carlotta, or me, for that matter. She was the glue. She held us together. Carlotta and I have never gotten along. She used her knuckle to wipe tears from beneath her heavily made-up eyes. Now that Anna Maria is gone, I know what's going to happen. One of these days, Carlotta and I are going to have a fight. One of those ugly fights where you say everything you've been holding back all those years. When it happens, there won't be any going back. Not after what we say. That's why you should keep that shit to yourself, but you watch. We won't. We'll say everything we always wanted to say, and afterwards, we won't see each other ever again. Do you know who could have been threatening Anna Maria? No idea. Did you know anything about a second job she had, other than the rental properties? I knew she did something and she made big bucks at it, but I never knew exactly what. She never told us. We were silent as Vivian wiped her eyes again. She took a deep pull on her cigarette, and like the last one, sent it sailing into the snow. Why did you leave your husband? I wanted more from life. I got knocked up right out of high school. CJ and I dated for like two years. And then the summer before we both go off to college, I came up pregnant with Sophie. So we got married at City Hall, CJ found a job in Pittsburgh, and I stayed home with the baby. Until? Until I thought I'd go out of my mind from boredom. I just wanted more, you know? I nodded. Of course, Carlotta thought I was doing horrible damage to our family when I filed for divorce. I mean, CJ was a good guy. He went to work every day, he brought home his paycheck, he was good to Sophie and me. After the divorce, the man never missed a child support payment for his daughter. I just wanted more out of life. He was happy to work his 40 hours and watch football on TV. But I never, ever screwed around on my husband. I would never behave like Joe, never. I understand. If there was a better way to resolve these kinds of problems, it was too late for Vivian and CJ. I stood up. Do you have a way I can contact him without tipping off Carlotta? Sure. Let me text you his cell phone. He says he's on the road. She pulled out her cell phone. Her thumbs danced across the phone's face. I felt my phone buzz in my pocket. I pulled it out and nodded at her. Thanks for that information. I'll keep you guys in the loop about what I find out. You coming to the funeral? It's Thursday at St. Rita's, 10 in the morning. I'll be there. Vivian... Nodded, lost in her thoughts. By the time I got back to the excursion, she was still sitting on the bench, staring at the fountain. Mary Margaret was in the office by the time I returned. The prosecutor has called for you more than once, she said, handing me the day's mail. Hmm. I flipped through the stack of envelopes, tossing a couple of them in the trash by my assistant's desk. Wonder what she wants. Odds are it wasn't to apologize for drunk-dialing me the night before. But if she had a case for me, she'd tell Mary Margaret. I stepped back into my office and dialed her cell number. Hey, I said softly when she picked up. It's me, Fitz. Hey. She went silent a moment, and then sighed. I need to apologize for that phone call last night. Why? It's always good to hear your voice, especially when you're not yelling at me. She laughed softly and warmly. This was the old Alicia I knew. The one who pursued me until she damn near trapped me. I was stupid enough to gnaw off my own foot, only to realize I wasn't really imprisoned. Hey, just for old time's sake, you want to do lunch sometime this week? Sure. How about tomorrow, at Lupe's? Lupe's was the Mexican restaurant downtown. She served the best enchiladas and the coldest beer. I seldom had to wait longer than a couple minutes for either. Sounds good. Noon? I'll be there. I waited until I heard the call disconnect. Love you. The next few hours were quiet. I picked up Marco, he did his homework without too much bitching, and Mary Margaret and I tried to seek out the now-decoded Steve Harrison. I turned her loose on social media, never my strong suit while I scrounged through court records in Ohio and surrounding states. After an hour, I had bubkus. Either this Steve Harrison was a fucking Boy Scout, or he was in witness protection. The bastard had never even run a red light. Then Mary Margaret called for me from her desk. Fitz, I may have something. I've got five guys named Steve Harrison right here in the immediate area. All of them are on Facebook. I resisted all efforts to get on FaceSnap or the Tweeter, Instabook, whatever the hell it's called. I have enough Dan problems with text messaging on my smartphone to try to explore social media. First, I value my privacy. And second, next to herpes, I fear hacking the most. Not just my identity, but my clients, too. Mary Margaret had talked me into getting a website as a way to increase my visibility and build sales. I liked the idea in principle, but kept putting her off. By God, there they are, I said, walking up behind her chair. There were five names with tiny thumbnail photos beside each one. My reading glasses were back on my desk. I couldn't quite see the facial features. So what kind of suspect are we looking for? Probably an adult. I hadn't told Mary Margaret about the coded journal or much of anything about what I'd come up with on Anna Maria's murder. I wasn't going to start now. So the Steve Harrison who is a freshman in high school is out, as is the 12-year-old soccer player? Most likely. What does that leave us with? I've got a Steve Harrison who teaches in Millersburg, 45, married, three kids. Season ticket holder for Kent State football. Hmm, maybe. Squeaky clean people often harbor the darkest secrets. Even if he'd never run a red light, he might be kicking the kid's puppy when he comes in the door after work. But would he be seeing a social worker on the side? No knowing. I've also got a Steve Harrison who works for the electric company in Akron. Divorced Army veteran. He rides a Harley, has a tattoo of an eagle on his left bicep. Another maybe. From what I could see, he looked like the type of guy who would call and threaten anybody who pissed him off, but definitely not Anna Maria's type. Then again, I thought I could be her type for a few brief moments, too. What about this one? He's a foreman for one of the fracking companies here in town. Medium build, light brown hair, lives in Toledo, but has an apartment here where he stays during the week. Well, he sounds promising. I can send them personal messages and ask them to call here. Can you get phone numbers off that thing? It depends on how someone has set up their page, whether it's public or not. If it's private, I can't get any information without friending them. Without what? Becoming their Facebook friend. (sighs) Friending? What is it with you kids changing every noun into a verb? All I want is a phone number. Fortunately for you, these are public pages. Hang on. A few more clicks and she added. Millersburg Steve doesn't have a phone listed. Akron Steve does. Fawcettville Steve has one too. I can tell from the first three numbers they're cell phones. None of them are home phones. You mean landlines? Only old people have landlines. She scrawled both numbers on a post-it note and handed it to me. Thanks, I think. I called the Akron number first. The guy who answered sounded like he smoked two packs of camels a day and ate gravel between each puff. Hello? Is this Steve Harrison? Yeah. My name is Niccolo Fitzhugh. I'm a private detective working on a case. I was wondering if I could ask you a few questions. What's this about? Do you know anyone named Anna Maria Ippolito? No. Someone with the name Steve Harrison turned up in a coded notebook of hers. Trying to find the right one to see what kind of relationship the two might have had. Sorry, man. I don't know anyone by that name. What if I told you she was murdered? Wow. Yeah, I definitely don't know anyone who was murdered. I sure as hell didn't do it. What were you doing Friday night? Repairing power lines after some dumbass fell asleep at the wheel and hit a pole. Knocked out power to 500 ohms. Anybody see you there? Four Akron cops, two other linemen, and the poor bastard whose roof was damaged by the pole. The driver was already on his way to the hospital when I arrived. Okay. All of that was easily verifiable. Well, if you want, I can come down to the police department to give a DNA sample. That'll help find who did it. A killer wouldn't willingly offer his DNA. I could cross this guy off my list. What do you work for, Steve? I'm a lineman for Ohio Edison. Damn near 20 years. It's a hell of a job. It's a living. Do you have a retirement plan that you might have to set up with someone? Any investments? We have a theory that our victim may have been moonlighting as an unlicensed financial planner. Gave someone financial advice that was bad enough to get her killed. He scoffed. Yeah, I've got a retirement plan. It's my ex-wife. She gets damn near everything I make. It ensures I'll never, ever retire. Sorry about that. Thank you for your time, Mr. Harrison. Sure, hope you find the bastard. Thanks. I punched in the next number. Local Steve Harrison picked up on the third ring. Hello, is this Steve Harrison? Yes. Yes. Once again, I identified myself, started with the same line of questioning. This Steve Harrison sounded like your average Joe over the phone. I'm sorry to hear she was murdered, but I don't know anybody by that name. I was heading back to Toledo on the Ohio Turnpike Friday night. You can verify that with Pass. And you're employed here in Fawcettville? Yes, I'm a foreman for Faribault Drilling. How did my name come up? The reason I'm calling is that the name Steve Harrison showed up in a coded journal of hers, and... The phone clicked and local Steve was gone.